Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Now we're going to jump in to wrap up our Prepare the Way series. Um, We've been talking over the last three weeks as to the reason why Jesus came. It's so easy to focus on the birth. It's so easy to focus on all of the things about the Christmas story. However, we can never um, get too fast to forget about the why of all the, the things that are going on and why Jesus came. But before we talk about and unpack this last reason why, I wanna see if y'all can relate to me. Um, you know, this time of year as a child, we can all go, some of us go back, some of us go way back, some of us have to go way, way back to remember that. But I used to remember the most favorite time for me leading up to Christmas is when I would get to pick out the gifts. You know, we all got to make up our Christmas list, whether it be from Santa Claus, whether it's from grandparents, whether it was from moms and dads, whoever it was from. And look, we all shopped differently. I can go back to remember going down to Thomaston, Georgia, and I would sit and my grandmother would walk in there with a Sears and Roebuck catalog. See, some of you know. And I remember getting that Sears and Robot catalog and just opening it up and just, and then you circle and highlight everything in the book. It's just what you did. And everything in those little ads, man, it just made it look like the greatest Christmas gift in the world. Then you start looking on television and you see all of the commercials around Christmas time. We're all so thrilled that we get to pick out these Christmas gifts and make our wish list. But what I've come to discover as an an old guy, older guy, is that these marketers, these commercials, they take full advantage of our excitement. Because I can remember looking back and seeing certain toys advertised on TV. And when the advertisement, when the commercial was rolling, I'm sitting there going, I've got to have that. I can't live without it. I remember specifically G.I. Joe's. I think I've actually shared this before. But you know, when you'd see the G.I. Joe commercials, there's these men and women that are driving tanks, jumping out of helicopters. They're shooting each other. And man, I'm sitting there going, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I've got to have it. But as soon as I would get these G.I. Joes, I would open the box. And what do they do? (laughs) They just look at me. I've got to make them raise their hand. If I want them to walk, they walk like this. It looks nothing like it does on TV. And I'm going, I've got sucker written on my forehead because that's not at all the way that it was advertised. How many of you can remember? This one's the funny one. Do y'all remember the rock tumbler? Does anybody, or was I only weirdo that wanted a rock tumbler? Miss Jimmy, we're weird together, okay? (laughs) If you don't know, this rock tumbler was this thing that this little red canister and you would open the box and there would be these old ugly looking rocks. and, And in my mind, you would stick this couple of rocks in this little thing and it would spin what I thought for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then they would pop out these beautiful polished stones. And then you would make jewelry. You would make keychains. You would make necklaces. See, y'all really hearing how weird I am. 
But I begin to read the instructions as a little kid. And I'm going, man, this ain't going to take like 10 minutes. This is going to take like a month and a half. Because you would take one bag of something and pour in there and let it And you'd hear the rocks, just rock tumbler. It lived up to its name when it comes to that thing. But I remember after about a month of waiting on these rocks to be polished, the excitement was over. But in my mind, I was gonna be like this rich jeweler now. And I don't know why you would want a ring with a big rock on it. Even Hot Wheels. Y'all all remember the Hot Wheels commercials? These tracks, you know, these tracks, and it just shows the cars zooming around. I would get you to raise your hand and say it, but how many of us have, would acknowledge that we've said a lot of bad words when it comes to putting Hot Wheels tracks together? Those little things that stick in there and then the car would fly and the whole track would fall apart. Nothing would live up to the expectations of the commercials. Nothing lived up to the way that it was advertised. And so instead of all this excitement at Christmas, there was a lot of us that were heartbroken at Christmas because we never got what we were looking for. But today I wanna kind of shift gears and share a very familiar part of this story that we all love so much. In the Gospel of Matthew, I want you to go ahead and turn there. We're not gonna be here very long. We're gonna jump around. But in Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 21, and you'll see how we're gonna kind of tie this in in just a minute. But in Matthew chapter one, verse 18 through 21, I just want you to read with me. You're very familiar with this. You've probably read it a dozen times already. But in verse 18, it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she found to be with a child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, he planned to send her away secretly. Verse 20. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And verse 21 is where we're gonna be looking mostly today. It says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sin. You know, where when we read that, there's so many different things we could take from this passage. We could look at Mary, we could look at Joseph, we could look at the, the messenger of the angel, we could look at all of these different areas, but as I was praying this week, God set me down and just reminded me that we can never get over what the name of Jesus means. Because you see, when we look back in, in, in Bible times, you can, and I would, I would encourage you to go back and just look, because all through the scriptures, we will see names in the Old Testament, the New Testament alike, but what I love about it is when we see that name, there is always meanings that go with every name. Every name stood for something. Every name would help us even to better understand the characters that we're reading about because the definition of their name defined who they were and it allowed us to see what their purpose was and, and maybe what their calling was and what, what, what they were gonna be doing and how they were gonna be used. You know, I wish I could say that me and my wife were that spiritual with our kids' names. But we're not. Brock is probably our most spiritual name. And you're about to hear how unspiritual spiritual it is, but we were really deciding between Brock and Brooks. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Facing the Giants. We went and watched Facing the Giants that night and the main character's name was Brock. So I told Chelsea, I said, oh, that must be of the Lord. We're gonna call him Brock. 
That's about as spiritual as we get because then we move on to Andy. Some of you already know some of our names and where they originated. But many of you will know this line from the movie of where Andy came from. Andy, you Goonie. Have y'all seen the Goonies? Yeah, I remember as a teenager going, when I have a daughter, her name is gonna be Andy. I don't know why, I just like the name Andy. Then we go on to Cooper. Uh, y'all probably don't care where Cooper's name comes from. I'm just kidding. Cooper came from kind of a sitcom doctor show. There was a doctor on there by the name of Cooper and we liked it. I said, Chelsea, I think our next kid, his name's Cooper. Sounds good to me. We didn't really pray about that one. Then we go to, to Deacon, who's over here today. That's not Easton she's carrying, by the way. That's her, her little baby. Um, <laughs> Deacon's very spiritual. Um, how many of you have seen the show Nashville? Deacon Claiborne. <laughs> anyway, we'll just move past that one. Then lastly, our, our youngest, our newest addition, his name's Easton. And, and I really wish now that I was as spiritual as some people think I am because Greg Worley came to me and the other day, this is probably about a month ago, and he goes, I bet I know the reason you called her Easton or called him Easton. I said, why do you say that, Greg? See, I'm a deer hunter, y'all have heard that. I shoot Easton arrows. That's the name of the arrow that I shoot. And so Greg informed me, he goes, I bet you, you know, your quiver's full, the arrows, they're, you're gonna use them as warriors of the Lord. I said, Greg, that sounds great. But no, <laughs> my daughter Googled it. And that's how we landed upon the name Easton. So anyway, I just thought I would share that because you hear how unspiritual we are. Because when we look at names in the Bible, every name in the Bible has a meaning. It has a purpose and it helps us understand. And what I wanna look at today is the name of Jesus. Because the name of Jesus, you gotta understand the weight that when Joseph found out that his name was gonna be Jesus. You can also say this, Yahshua, and what we understand, the definition of Jesus is rescuer, deliverer. The name of Jesus literally means rescuer, deliverer. And so when Joseph heard that his child's name was gonna be Jesus, he knew that for centuries, the Jews had been waiting on the savior. They had been waiting on the Messiah. And when Joseph realized my child's name is gonna be Jesus, my child is the rescuer, my child is the deliverer. This is the one that we've been waiting for. Can you imagine as a parent realizing it is now your responsibility to raise the savior of the world? Whew, we just thought we had our hands full raising our kids. That's a heavy weight to know that you are gonna be raising the rescuer, the deliverer, the Messiah. And so Joseph knowing this, he knew that he, because of him being the rescuer, the deliverer, he knew everything that went along with that. He knew all of the reasons why Jesus was sent. All the reasons that we've been talking about the last several weeks. He knew that his son now was gonna be sent to take away the sins of the people. He knew that his son was sent to destroy the works of the devil. He knew that his son was sent not to be served, but to serve. He knew that his son was being sent so the presence of God would be with the people, Emmanuel. But what we're gonna unpack today is kind of the mission statement. If we were gonna sum up the whole of why Jesus came, it would be packed in this mission statement that we read in the Gospel of Luke. I want you to turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. 
And then we're going to be going back to Matthew. So just keep your finger there and we'll go right back. But in Luke chapter 19, and I'm not going to unpack the context of this story. It's very familiar and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But if you'll just look at verse 10, if somebody were to ask you, why do we celebrate Christmas? I want to challenge you to, to be very quick and how to answer it. Don't answer it that we celebrate because a baby was born. I want you to share this is the reason that we celebrate Christmas. Is Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. That, my friend, is why we celebrate Christmas. Is because the Messiah, the rescuer, the deliverer was sent as a child, as a baby, to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, many of you probably know where this is, where this lies in this story particularly. This, is, this, this statement was made by the Savior at the dinner table with Zacchaeus. I'm not going to go into that story. Many of you are familiar with it. You've heard it your entire life. But what I want you to do is just keep that in mind that while Jesus was eating at the table with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was a man who was despised by so many people. He was a tax collector. He was hated. And we know that according to the scripture, the fact that Jesus and who he was eating with, who he was spending time with it, upset the religious people. In that same story, Luke chapter 19, verse seven, we hear that all of the religious people, all of the people around would see what Jesus was doing and it said that they grumbled about it. How in the world can this savior spend time with such filthy people? How can he stoop to such a level to where he's gonna spend time with the tax collectors, the very people that we hate and despise? But you see what I love? is this is Jesus living up to the name in which he was advertised. We're gonna read more about that. I want you to flip back to Matthew chapter nine. Matthew chapter nine is a very similar story of that of Zacchaeus. Matthew chapter nine, and I'm gonna read verses nine through 13, and this is where we're gonna stay the remainder of this morning. But in Matthew chapter nine, verses nine through 13, it says this, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and he followed him. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. You hear? Very similar to what was going on in the story of Zacchaeus. He's sitting with these filthy sinners. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? Verse 12, but when Jesus heard of this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn this means that I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. So very similar to the story of Zacchaeus, Jesus, the rescuer, the deliverer, is living up to as he was advertised, is living up to the commercials, if you would. Remember, he's the rescuer, the deliverer. 
Remember, his mission statement is that he has come to seek and to save that which is lost. But what I love so much about this story is the fact that we see that Jesus is the one seeking out Matthew. That Jesus is the one seeking out Zacchaeus. He's going to them. He's initiating the conversation with them. But what is so important, what what God just always shows me every time I read this story of Matthew is how important it is that we take notice of the location in which Jesus approaches Matthew. Take notice the fact that where was Matthew? He was in the tax collector's booth. The reason that he was in the tax collector's booth is because it's what he did. It was his profession. It was what he was known for. It's the very reason that he was despised. You see, these tax collectors' booths would be placed at, the, at different entry points of the city, almost like you and I would, would recognize as a toll booth. And for people to enter into the city, they would have to pay their taxes. And, and you see, the reason that they were despised, the reason that, that they were hated is because they worked for the Roman government. And the Roman government was in conflict with the Jewish people. So you see here why the Pharisees were so upset is these are the very people, these are our enemies. So why in the world is the son of God, the Messiah, the rescuer, the deliverer having dinner with our enemy? Remember, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That is the very reason Jesus came. But the fact is, is the reason they were so despised is because of what they were guilty of. You see, they worked for the Roman government and so they knew that they had to give X number of dollars back to the Roman government as their employee, as they worked for them. But what they were able to do is they were able to charge above and beyond what the individuals owed in taxes. But you see, the the victory in it for them, if you would, was whatever they overcharged, that's what they stuffed their pockets with. And so all the people that were collecting these taxes knew that. This was the very reason that the tax collectors were so wealthy, but also it was the very reason they were despised is because they were thieves. They were stealing from hardworking people just like you and I. And so they were very unliked because of their profession, because of what they did. So here's Jesus seeking out the very people who were despised and who were hated. But what we're gonna see is that Jesus is gonna live up to his name. He's gonna live up to the very reason that he was sent. Because you see, he was seeking Matthew. He was seeking out Zacchaeus. But what he was wanting was wanting to offer them something. Something that their world could not offer, something that the finances could not offer. And Jesus was wanting to prove to them that he was the rescuer that he was the deliverer, that he was the Messiah. And so here's Jesus seeking those that are lost. Now I know that word lost is a word that we use in church a lot of times. And for us men, we know that lost is not in our vocabulary, right? When your wife looks over and says, are you lost? Absolutely not. I know exactly where I'm at. Yeah, you do now because our phone tells us everything. Is, that's always funny to me. You know, we get in trouble for looking at our phones in the car. 
as a GPS, as anything for that matter. We can't talk on it. We can't touch it. But do you remember back in the days? Oh, I mean, the map would stretch across the whole front dash. You couldn't even see the road. How was that not ticketed? How was that not getting us in trouble? Anyway, that's just a soapbox that I'll get on in a minute. But men, we don't like to talk about being lost, but what we have to slow down and pay attention to is what does it mean here that Jesus came to seek and to save that which are lost? You see, the definition of lost is to find someone who is in a state of destruction. It is someone that has been declared to death. And so what we know about Matthew, what we know about Zacchaeus is that both of these men were in the state of destruction as a result of their sin because for all of us, for the sin in our life before Christ, that is the very thing that separates us from the heavenly father. That's the very thing that divides us from the heavenly father is the sin in our life. And according to, to Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. And so when we hear this, that the wages of sin is death, then we know that in Matthew's condition, in Zacchaeus's condition, they owe a penalty as a result of their sin. And that sin that they owe or the debt that they owe is, is death. Now, sure, we're all physically gonna die, but the death that we're talking about here is so much deeper. It's a spiritual death that, that yes, we're all physically going to perish here on this earth. But if we know Jesus Christ, our spirit will live for eternity with him because we've placed our faith in what he's done through his son. But apart from that, apart from that, your spirit is led to destruction, meaning that you will forever be separated from a father who sent his only son to pay that price for you. And so we see that in Zacchaeus and in Matthew's condition, this is who they are. They're sinners separated from a loving father, from a, from a father who loves them so much that he gave and sent his son to seek them and to save them. And so we see that that is Jesus living up to what his name means. But talking about the location, this is something that I can never get past. And for all of us, if you've been saved by God's grace, when we talk about what we're about to mention in just a moment, it ought to stir something up in us that potentially brings us to tears. Maybe it brings you to your feet in praise. Maybe it takes you to your knees in humility. Because something that has always stuck out to me is the fact that Jesus approached Matthew in the tax collector's booth. He approached Matthew in his sin. He approached Matthew as he was living in the very thing that has separated him from the loving father. Jesus, the rescuer, the deliverer, approaches Matthew as he is actively doing what has separated him from God. I don't know about you, 
But I am so thankful that the Son of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, sought me out in the midst of my sin. He didn't approach Matthew and say, hey, Matthew, you gotta stop doing what you're doing. Matthew, here's a list of behavior modifications that you gotta implement. Matthew, here's, here's some things that you gotta get right. And if you will get all of those things right, if you will check all of these boxes, if you'll straighten up, then you can come and follow me. But through the compassion of the rescuer and the deliverer, he came to Matthew, did not mention his sin, didn't scold him of his sin, didn't slap him on the wrist, but he says, hey, follow me. In spite of what you're doing, in spite of what you feel guilty of, in spite of the very reason that people hate you, Matthew, come on, follow me. And for a believer in Jesus Christ, that ought to have us up running around that we didn't have to straighten up before the Son of God sought us out. That we didn't have to fix everything before Jesus Christ came to us, before he knocked on our heart's door, before the Holy Spirit began to draw us. We didn't fix everything. We could go around this room and we could share story after story after story of when we felt the presence of God maybe speaking to us for the first time. And I've got so many stories of men and women who were doing everything from except being at church and the Holy Spirit of God showed up. I can remember going back a year ago and I've already spoken with Josh and asked him if he minded if I shared this story. And he said, absolutely not. I remember a little over a year ago Josh Kennedy, he was sitting right here on the second row, same place he was over a year ago. I remember in the invitation standing right here, asking people to move. And he stepped out and he ran to me broken before the Lord. And in so many words, this is what I remember. I'd shared a little bit about my dad and my dad's story of, of being an alcoholic. And I remember Josh approached me right here weeping. And he said, Brian, I'm your dad. I'm your dad. I'm an alcoholic. But what we celebrate is that he was an alcoholic sitting in that seat and the spirit of an almighty God knocked on his heart's door in the very condition that he was in and said, come on and follow me. Come on and follow me. He didn't go, Josh. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna give you seven days. You can't drink a drop between this Sunday and next Sunday. And then by next Sunday, if you've held it together, then you can move forward and follow me and we can celebrate. No, Jesus said right where you're at, you come follow me. And church, for all of us, maybe that's not the sin that God found us in. But for all of us, he met you in spite of your sin and said, hey, child, I'm gonna live up to the way I was advertised. I came to rescue and to save you. I came to deliver you right where you're at. 
And Jesus extends that invitation for Matthew to follow him the same way that he extended the invitation for Josh to follow him. And I'm gonna share a little bit more about that in a moment. But it's as if Jesus approached Matthew and he says, you know what? You're the very reason I was sent. I came to seek and to save people like you. You don't have to clean up first. You don't have to straighten up first. Because if you could straighten up and clean up, you wouldn't need me. If you could do that on your own, you wouldn't need me. But Jesus says, but I know you can't do it. So that's the very reason that I was sent. To come and seek and to save that which was lost. I didn't come to seek those and to save those who have it all figured out. And we read that in verse 12. That's one of my favorite verses in all the scriptures. In verse 12, when Jesus overhears them being upset about coming and spending time with the sinners and the tax collectors, he says in verse 12, but when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I came to those who are sick. I came to those who are sin sick. See, Matthew had a sin sickness problem. And Matthew said, or Jesus said to Matthew, because you are sin sick, I'm coming to heal you of that sin. I'm coming to pay the price for that sin. But I want you to follow me. And see church, here's the victory of our identity being in Jesus Christ. It all goes again where he approached him. You see, he extended the invitation. I just picture Matthew sitting in this tax collector booth seeing the rescuer, the deliverer, the Messiah come and saying, hey, follow me. How did Matthew feel? I would ask that we all use kind of our sanctified imagination to think about that, but how would you feel? He's caught with his hand in the cookie jar. He's in the middle of sin and here's the savior of the world. And he says, hey, come follow me. Was he ashamed? Did he feel unworthy? Was he scared out of his mind? I don't know. But what I do know is that Matthew at that moment, he had a decision to make. Am I gonna stay in my sin and, and keep living my life the way that I wanna live it? Or am I gonna step into faith and follow this man to follow the son of God? But the beauty of the story as we see in that moment, Matthew stepped out of the tax collector's booth and followed Jesus. You see, when he followed Jesus, in that moment of him, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing all of this, in the moment of him standing up out of his chair, if you would, and taking a step to follow Jesus Christ, do you realize in that moment of time, Matthew's identity was forever changed? Matthew's identity in that moment of stepping into faith and following Jesus, who's just invited him to follow him, in that moment, Matthew's identity completely changed. Yes, the world still despised him. The world still recognized him as a thief. The world still recognized him as an evil man. But the heavenly father no longer saw him as a tax collector. The heavenly 
father saw him as a rescued child of God. He looks and he sees now, he no longer sees the sin in Matthew's life. He no longer sees that he's a thief, but what he saw now is that he saw that a man has placed faith in his work and he is following the very one that he sent to seek and to save him to follow. It's the very reason that Jesus was sent. The very reason that Jesus was sent. But again, as we said a moment ago, Jesus didn't tell Matthew, hey, you know what, Matthew? You gotta stop this, you gotta stop that. You gotta straighten up, but then you can follow me if you'll get all that right. But what we see next is, is just the visual that I get of the supernatural change when we follow Christ. The supernatural change that begins to happen. The closer we walk with him, the more we fall in love with him, the Holy Spirit of God begins to change us from the inside out. Because you see, as Matthew stepped out of the tax collector's booth, not only is this a visual of him following the Son of God, of him surrendering his heart and his life to the savior of the world. But also the visual we see here is what Matthew's leaving behind. Matthew is now leaving behind the very thing that separated him from God. Matthew is leaving behind the tax collector's booth. He's leaving behind his job. He's leaving behind his wealth. He's leaving behind his worldly identity. And he begins to step out and follow Christ. And what we see is that as far as we even read, he didn't even make a conscious effort to stop all of that stuff. But by following Christ, it transformed his lifestyle. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but as a child of God, if you are following the savior of the world, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you are following him, there will be lifestyle changes. We can't say that we're following Christ and still live in the tax collector's booth. It's supernaturally, it's impossible because now the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. And I know you're sitting there going, well, Brian, we can't physically follow Jesus anymore. He's not physically here, but praise be unto God. You realize that as a man, he was limited to where he stood. But as the Holy Spirit lives in us, the beauty of that is you get to follow Christ every day, all of us, because the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. He directs you, he guides you, he convicts you, he leads you. And this is why we as the church can follow him together at our workplace, at our school, in our home, is because the fact that the Holy Spirit of God is alive and well in every child of God. That's the very reason that we can follow, we can listen, we can surrender. And church, if you're following, listening and surrender daily, there will be life change. It doesn't mean you're gonna be perfect. You're still gonna stumble. You're still gonna make mistakes. You're still gonna have setbacks. But all of a sudden, those setbacks and mistakes 
they're not quite as fun as they used to be. They don't feel quite the same. You know, Josh, for instance, I don't believe that he stepped out that day to follow Christ and said, you know what? I've got to stop doing this right now in this moment. I believe with everything in me, he said, I'm going to follow Christ. And as a result of him following Christ, just a couple of months ago, he received his one year chip of sobriety. Being sober for one year. Yes, I understand there's a weight of responsibility that where we consciously have to make those decisions. But man, it is empowering when the Holy Spirit of God is living in us and giving us the strength to overcome the very thing that the enemy wants to pull us down with again. But you see, aren't you thankful that Jesus meets us in our sin? If I had to clean up first, I still wouldn't have a clue who he is. If I had to check all the boxes first, I would still be as lost as last year's Easter egg. It would not be good because this old boy makes mistakes every day. I fall flat on my face every single day. But praise be unto God, the Holy Spirit of God says, hey, just keep following me. Just keep walking. Just keep coming because you're not identified by your sin anymore. You're not identified by your shortcomings. You're not identified when you have that that blip in your mind to where you fall back into the enemy's trap. That doesn't change your identity. Your identity is still in me. You're still a child of God. But as we follow him, church, it will produce lifestyle change. If we claim to follow him and there's been no lifestyle change, I would ask you that to get on your face and ask the Holy Spirit of God to to search your heart and to say, have I truly placed my faith and trust in you? You know, as we think about the Holy Spirit guiding us now, as we think about us following Christ because of the Holy Spirit living in us, as we've talked so many times, that is one of the most empowering things as a child of God. You know, I'm so proud of our student ministry and what God is doing in there and the, and the investment the, these volunteers and that Chase and AJ are making and the, the way that they're pushing them. I don't know if you realize this, but every Sunday morning, a teenager stands in that room in front of all of their peers and shares what God has been speaking to them as they've read the word of God all week. And this morning was my son. And just to be honest, Brock was scared out of his mind to the point that Friday night, Thursday night, after his basketball game, I saw him back on his phone and I could just tell he was heavy. He says, Daddy, I'm gonna have to tell Chase and AJ I can't share Sunday morning. I said, why is that, buddy? He said, I'm just not prepared. I said, well, 
you know, the loving, compassionate father that I am. I said, suck it up, buttercup. You still got three days to prepare. (laughs) But this morning, as I was able to go over and sit with him in the room and, and look at his notes, I could just hear the nervousness and the fear in him. And I tried to tell him, I said, buddy, you realize if the Holy Spirit is speaking through you, you can't mess this up. You can't mess this up. And he says, so daddy, I just gotta trust that God's gonna speak through me. I said, yeah, you do. But as a child of God, for each of us, that should be the most empowering promise that the savior of the world has come to rescue us, to deliver us, and is now living in us. But you know, we celebrate this birthday of Jesus. We celebrate this first coming of Jesus. And as he ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit for us to walk with us, to guide us, just as we've been talking about. But church, the promise that we have is that the Son of God is coming again. But here's what I am thankful for. You know, when he came as a child, the way that he showed up, nobody believed that this was the Messiah. This can't be the Savior, this little baby. This little baby that looks like a nothing, this can't be the savior of the world. And this is what set so much confusion in so many people's minds is that he didn't show up the way that they thought he should show up. But can I tell you that when he comes again, there ain't gonna be no mistaken. The Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. There's not gonna be any scratch in their head, is that him? There's not gonna be any going, huh, is this, mm, is this the one we've been talking about? Ain't gonna be none of that. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That doesn't mean that everyone is gonna be saved in that moment because there's gonna be many that stand before and confess that yes, I know, but it's gonna be too late. Where would you be this morning when he comes back the second time? When there's gonna be no doubt that he is who he says he is. Because when he comes again, you're gonna know that this is the rescuer, that this is the deliverer. And as a child of God, church, that's the promise that we have to look forward to. Yes, church, we'd love to celebrate the birth of our Savior. We love to celebrate the fact that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. Because if you've been saved by the grace of God, you once were lost, but now you've been found. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. 
So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.